Hello, you're watching Middle East Matters on France 24. I'm Charles Belgrand. Here's what's coming up in this week's show. Vladimir Putin working his Middle East connections, his first international outing since the war in Ukraine, takes him to Iran, where he'll also meet with Turkish strongman Recep Tayyip Erdogan. And we'll take a closer look at the No to Hijab campaign in Iran, where women are openly defying dress codes imposed by the Islamic Republic. And what's a better war film backdrop than an actual war zone? We'll find out about the Chinese movie produced by Jackie Chan that's being shot in Syria. The Middle East yet again at the heart of the global geopolitical game this week after Joe Biden's visit to Israel and Saudi Arabia. Vladimir Putin visits Iran for talks with the Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei, while in Tehran, the Russian leader will also meet with Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. A flurry of diplomatic activity, Iran and Russia seeking closer ties in the face of Western sanctions, negotiations over blockaded imports of Ukrainian grain, and the situation in Syria. In his first trip outside of former Soviet Union countries since the war in Ukraine began back in February, Russian President Vladimir Putin's talks with his Turkish and Iranian counterparts came at a crucial juncture. Moscow is seeking to forge stronger ties with countries like Iran as it faces Western sanctions. At the top of the summit's agenda, though, was the conflict in Syria, the three leaders pledging to strengthen cooperation to help normalize the country's situation. The only way to establish stability and security along Syria's borders with neighboring countries is the powerful presence of the Syrian army and its cooperation with neighboring governments. Turkey urged support for a new military operation in northern Syria in two cities under the control of the Kurdish YPG militia, considered a terrorist group by Ankara. Both Russia and Iran have a military presence in parts of Syria mentioned as possible targets of Turkey's new assault. It is impossible to expect Turkey to remain inactive, irresponsive, as this terrorist organization continues its separatist agenda. I hear from you, my dear friends, that you understand Turkey's legitimate security concerns. I am thankful for this, but words alone are not a cure for wounds. The war in Ukraine also looms large over the talks. Putin and Recep Tayyip Erdogan discussed a UN-backed deal aimed at resuming exports of Ukrainian grain through the Black Sea. Turkey, a NATO member on speaking terms with both Russia and Ukraine, has also sought to help broker peace talks between the two countries. Tehran, meanwhile, called for long-term cooperation with Moscow as both struggle under economic sanctions. For Putin, the summit was above all a political message to the West, a reminder that he's still supported by global powers despite the war. Women's rights activism in Iran is finding its voice on social media with the hashtag no to hijab campaign. Women there are encouraged to take videos of themselves without their veils out in public in defiance of the dress code imposed by the ruling religious authorities. A number of women have been arrested since the call was made ahead of the National Day of Hijab and Chastity on July 12th. Take a look. Thousands of women all over Iran out in force to support the country's dress code. Here in Tehran, the country's capital, they are celebrating the National Day of Hijab and Chastity. 
We want to show women who remove the hijab or wear it inappropriately in our country that we, the daughters of the revolution, have freedom and security with this chador. An opinion that is not universal, especially since early July, when President Ebrahim Raisi demanded the strict application of the law, which has meant that hijabs have been mandatory since the revolution of 1979. As well as hair, the veil must now also cover the neck and the shoulders. In the streets of the capital, many women have had enough. We must let everyone dress as they want. This dress code is a form of coercion. For others, actions spoke louder than words. A hashtag, no to hijab, was created. They chose July the 12th, the same day as the National Day of Hijab and Chastity, to show themselves bareheaded on social networks and more poignantly in the streets all at the risk of being arrested. Dozens have since been apprehended for the crime of not covering themselves adequately. But these arrests have not stopped Iranian women from continuing to fight for their freedom. A few days ago on this bus in Tehran, a fully veiled woman attacked a woman without one. The attacker was then forced off the bus by her fellow passengers. Some sources state that the unveiled woman has since been arrested. Well, for more on this story, we're joined from New York by journalist and activist Masi Alinejad. In 2014, she started her own social media campaign called My Stealthy Freedom, where she shared pictures of unveiled Iranian women sent to her. Thanks for being with us on, on France 24. Uh, first off, why would you say is this movement gaining so much traction right now, right in this moment? Because Iranian women are fed up. It's now uh, 21st century. Just today, actually, I want to show you that morality police van. Look at this. It's trying actually to run over a woman. This is a mother begging the morality police that my daughter is sick. Stop arresting my daughter for just showing her hair. So for, for me, that the anger in society um, made people to be united and the new wave of anti-compulsory hijab movement actually coming from unknown and known activists within the society because of the frustration. They want to get rid of not only the compulsory hijab laws, they want to have dignity. They want to have a secular democratic country. They're fed up with the Islamic Republic. In that video and many other videos, uh, we see... Uh just ordinary citizens uh, confronting these women for not wearing the headdress. We also see uh, people who seem to be part of the government or part of the morality police. Can you tell us more exactly about how this morality police actually works in Iran and enforces those rules? Yeah, unfortunately, some people in the West, they don't even uh, believe me that from the age of seven, if you don't cover your hair, you won't be able to go to school in Iran. And when you walk unveiled in the street, not only morality police attack you, bully you, harass you, and put you in jail, the law actually in Iran allow religious extremists to attack you as well, to throw acid on your face. Let me give you just one example. Iranian women uh, were victim of acid attack four years ago just because of wearing inappropriate hijab. All those people who thrown acid on women's face, they are free. But all those women that you see walking unveiled, they are in danger. And recently, Iranian regime arrested three women 
just because of protesting against compulsory hijab. So this is the reality in Iran. The, the harassment and um, the pressure coming from the law. All the law in Iran is anti-women. Internet in Iran is censored. Sites like Twitter are officially blocked, but people find ways to use banned platforms anyway. Are you concerned that the government will step up its policing of the Internet to prevent such social media campaigns from spreading? Yeah, yeah, that's that's right happening right now. Look, the irony is this. Iranian government banned 80 million people from using Twitter, social media. But the tech companies allowing them to have a Twitter account, Instagram account, that is hypocrisy. You see my anger? This is the anger of Iranian people, that they are like criminal if they're using social media, but we are calling the tech companies, kick them out, kick the dictators out from social media because they go after women who post their videos of walking unveiled, they put them in jail. So this is actually now the frustration of Iranian people that the tech companies ignoring them. Masiyali Najad is a uh, activist and journalist based in New York. Thank you so much for being with us on Middle East Matters. Well, freedom of expression in peril for Iranian filmmakers as well. Award-winning filmmaker Jafar Panahi will have to serve a six-year sentence handed to him back in 2010 for his support to anti-government demonstrations. He'd previously been on conditional release, but this was revoked when he inquired about the situation of fellow filmmaker Mohammad Rasulov, who was detained earlier this month, along with another director, Mustafa Ali Ahmad. Panahi won top prize in Berlin for the movie Taxi in 2015 and best screenplay at Cannes for Three Faces in 2018. An action film being produced by Jackie Chan is shooting in Syria, in a spot once overrun by the Islamic State group. The film is meant to be a huge box office draw, but it's also delving into politics, as it's expected to glorify the Chinese Communist government. Monty Francis has a story. The ruins of a town just outside the Syrian capital are coming back to life. Camera crews from China are shooting a film called Home Operation. The movie tells the story of China's evacuation of its citizens and other foreign nationals trying to escape the war in Yemen in 2015. The film does not tell the story of the war, but rather about love and peace. It doesn't touch on violence at all. The film is produced by the action film superstar Jackie Chan and directed by Yingxi Song, who said the movie would cast China's communist government in a heroic light. He told reporters it takes the perspective of diplomats who are Communist Party members who braved a hail of bullets in a war-torn country and safely brought all Chinese compatriots onto the country's warship unscathed. China is one of the few countries to have maintained good diplomatic relations with the regime of Syrian President Bashar al-Assad, who is accused of massacring his own people. In spite of the controversy, the film's producers, including Chan, hope the film is a blockbuster on the Chinese mainland. They see Syria as a low-cost studio. Uh, Building studios similar to these areas is very expensive. Here, the studio is already ready. The crew is also shooting in other locations in Syria. As a producer, Jackie Chan is the biggest name attached to the film, but there are no plans for him to visit the country. That's it for Middle East Matters this week. Thanks for watching and stay tuned for more world news here on France 24.